What's up? Did somebody wake me? Yo, what's up, man? Is this thing on? <laughs> Jay Soderbergh. That's me. John Luckenbaugh. That's him. Two podcasting veterans. One from the production space. And one from the outer space. And we're, we're, we're queuing up. Weekly news and tips in podcasting. On podcasts. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Queued Up Podcast on Podcasting. Every episode is exciting, but it's especially exciting today because we have a guest. My name is Jay Soderberg, aka Pod Vader. I'm here, as always, with the co-host and the founder of the Queued Up Podcasting Agency, John Luckenbaugh. Hello, John. Jay, how are you doing today? I'm doing absolutely wonderful. And what? um yeah, yeah, I know. It's strange, but yes, I am doing absolutely wonderful. <laughs> but uh I'm really excited to be uh bringing on um well, if if you believe that my moniker Pod Vader is the Sith Lord of podcasting, well, this is Pod Yoda. So it is the light side of podcasting. It is Evo Terra from podcastpontifications.com. Hello, Evo. I'm going to just talk backwards most of the time, I think, you know, in that weird Yoda thing. Like the Universal Translator gets all the other languages right in the Star Wars universe, except Yoda. But anyhow, uh, hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is exciting because uh, I have come to discover podcast pontification. I've been listening to podcast pontifications for years now. But uh, really, you've said a few things over the past months, and I have requoted them here on this podcast numerous times. Nice. We'll definitely get into that a little bit later. But what we really wanted to do with you is talk about uh, this blog post that Omni Studios put out. And, you know, one of the things that we like to do on this particular show is when we're looking at reports like this from one of the studios is provide actionable insights for the podcasters. What does this information really mean to them? So. When Omni starts their blog post with a slide that says how many downloads per episode is quote unquote good, and they list their top 50% and their top 1%, and being in the top 50% is 100 downloads per episode 30 days after publishing, you feel pretty good. And honestly, these numbers are very comparable with Libsyn. It should be noted, Libsyn is a much larger hosting company than Omni, so uh, the data set it's good to see that at least the data set is sort of equal there. I agree. That is the case. Also, not long ago, Buzzsprout published some numbers that are similar uh, in this one there. Uh, again, different sides. Actually, Buzzsprout has a whole lot of clients, so they're at, at the size of Ellipson, I think. But their numbers do look different. A lot of podcasters always want to know is, how is my show stacking up to every other podcast out there? What is the average number of downloads one should expect uh, as a podcaster. So yes, I like seeing data like this presented. Now, if you have 100 listeners to your show, that might, while that puts you in the top 50% of podcasters, does that make you quote unquote good? Well, <laughs> all depends on how we want to measure good, right? So to me, when I, when I look at those numbers, and I love having that 50%, because what it means is that so if you just took this number and extrapolated it out for everybody, which is the idea, like how, how is my show doing, right? Well, if your show's getting at least 100 downloads per episode as the shows, then you are average. But, you know, that average is kind of a mythical number. What that really means is half of the people, half of the podcasts out there are getting way more than that, but also half of the podcasts are getting a lot less. So 
what's a good number, that's so difficult to say. One of the things I like about this particular blog post we're talking about today is they didn't just leave it at the top, which is all the top one that we've ever gotten thus far. It's like you and everybody else, here's how you stack. In this article, they go through it by category, which starts to get really interesting because, yeah, we know audiences have a different appetite for different types of shows. It's much more comparative to be in amongst your peers than amongst every single person who's ever had a podcast. So I like I like that aspect of it. Being in the top 1%, I think society and culture has the biggest number at 115,700. No, I'm sorry. It looks like comedy is actually bigger. I need glasses, gentlemen. So, uh, pardon me. the The print is a little small. Comedy is at one hundred ninety seven thousand nine hundred per that's episode. That's a big number. Yeah, that, that's a huge number. And I'm, I mean, I know that Joe Rogan's not on Omni, so I am curious as to what shows Omni is hosting that are bringing in those downloads, especially in the comedy category. Yeah. And comedy is one of those interesting categories that is dominated by, well, professional comedians, right? A lot of right. comedians now have a podcast because why not? That's an interesting way to get it out there. And people love their comedy. We just really enjoy that kind of content. Now, to your question, what shows, what comedy podcast does Omni host? I don't know, right? I mean, this is an Australian hosted company. I know that they work with a lot of radio stations and a lot of radio conglomerates around there which might have had relationships with comedians previously who are putting on shows. Hard to say. The other thing we don't know about this is, well, so we know we've got these category breakdowns, but as all of us know here, you can pick three different categories for your show. So is this just that was in the comedy's top position? What if there was somebody oh. that's in the other number, three position? And then Good just point. maybe a funny news show shows up here in that number. It's, it's hard to really know what is the one category because podcasts only have one single category. We can be in lots. That's very true. I also like looking at the top 50% breakdown on the categories. The difference between if you want to be in the top 50% of comedy, it's 1300 compared to your sports, which is only 570. Where Yeah, you know, 390 in society and culture, right? Those, those go down in a big way. So it also can point to what categories to choose for your podcast. To, to be able to rank higher on, on each category, don't you think? Maybe. I would exercise a little bit of caution trying to choose. Well, let me back up. There's a lot of ways you can think about that. Yeah, if you, if you don't have an idea of what you want a podcast about, which is like everybody starting a podcast these days, it seems like, then yeah, it makes sense to try and do something in an area that's easier to get more attention, whatever. Could be one way to think of that. But I don't know. I mean, if I looked and saw a big opportunity that's doing in like in the sport category, if I don't know anything to talk about sports, if that's really not my jam and sports really isn't my jam, I mean, I, I enjoy sports, but I can't talk about them with any sort of authority on there. Should I even give it a shot? I don't know. But if I want to be, if I mean, I'm a network or I'm a company and I'm trying, trying to really get into this space of podcasting and saying, where can we focus our efforts as an organization? And if, in fact, comedy is the hot spot for us, then let's go find some comedians. Let's go put together a whole lot of content. Let's go find people who can create that kind of content and, and will own it. So from a business perspective, it, those are nice things to look at, too. It does seem like sports, there could be an opportunity, especially if you have a large megaphone. And I'm not saying megaphone, the hosting platform. Sure. I'm just saying, you know, sport, to be in the top 
you only need 14,500, according to Omni. Uh, This is obviously compared to Omni. Now, I'm sure there are bigger sports shows, and I can confirm that ESPN has much bigger sports shows than that particular number. It's funny because this is the second time I've seen data on sports when I've looked at the numbers and I went, people have said, well, it looks like there's an opportunity in sports. Yes, but the biggest gorilla in the room is ESPN and their number and their numbers are dwarfing the numbers that you're seeing being reported. That's life, right? I mean, that's just the reality of when professional organizations get involved with something. And when you're ESPN, for example, uh, ESPN owns sports. That's it. The good news is anybody getting into the sports, making a sports podcast, you're not necessarily competing against ESPN. I mean, I guess you are to a certain degree, but ESPN is going to do the ESPN thing. I think there's still plenty of room to innovate uh, in and around stuff that podcasting allows you to do things that giant mega companies like ESPN or Disney or anybody else, they're just, they're just not going to do. So still plenty of room to work at the edges, I think. When you talk about innovations, the sports category, specifically in podcasting, could use quite a bit of innovation because they all sound the same right now. Let's talk about you know the next opportunity, especially if we're looking at this from a business perspective. And they listed the top 10 categories for programmatic spend. And oh, lo and behold, sports is right at the top. And I can explain that fairly easily because this is obviously a category that's very closest to my heart. And I've understood why advertising and podcasting was not such a big deal. Because as a sports content creator and as a sports fan, we are inundated with ads all the time, like every two seconds. In podcasting, even if you were to put in an ad every 10 minutes, that's still way less than what you're going to get on a televised broadcast of of a show. So to me, this makes perfect sense to me that sports would be number one. Also, I mean, the beer companies know where to reach that perfect demographic, and it's right there in sports. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And doing it programmatically is super smart. They don't have to, look, I will use your beer company uh, example for a minute. Beer companies have a lot of money to spend on advertising, and they're all about tonnage. You know, they spend a lot of money on creative. Sure, they do. But it's really for them, it's all about constant exposure over and over and over again. And that's what you get with a programmatic ad buy. It's the only type of scalable advertising that exists in podcasting today. And a lot of the big sports shows and other shows like that have huge opportunities for programmatic because they're set up to do it that way. I don't know that pick any beer company would see better results by having a live host read endorsement. I just don't know that that's the case. We know they're hard to scale. We know they go up in a big way, but is that really going to impact my decision of what beer to pick? I I suppose to a degree it it might, but I think it's just we've kind of gone past that in certain categories. I mean, there's certain times when a recommendation absolutely makes sense, but for the big things happening in the sports programming, I'm not so sure. It's mostly about exposure uh, and constant, you know, more impressions, more and more. I'm a hockey fan. I haven't watched it in a few years. Um, then definitely not this year because of, you know, the things. But I turned on a hockey game for the first time the other day. And helmets now have ads on them. <laughs> Zoom is advertising on the uh, the Sharks helmets. Like, yeah. what? When did that happen? I'm used to ads all around the dashboard. And I'm yeah. used to ads that play, you know, during the actual game itself when you're watching a live televised event. But. I didn't know we were NASCARing our helmets now, but okay. That's even the NBA uniforms are starting to have their own advertisements too. Okay, that that's the way it goes. Welcome to money, you know, and it'll make right. you do things, right? So you don't pay much attention to that Zoom helmet, but it gets them something. 
Is there any of these top 10 categories that you're kind of surprised at seeing? I'll tell you one of the categories I'm surprised isn't higher is talk radio. Yeah. And I wonder if that's because, and again, we're, we're doing a lot of speculation here of, you know, is that not as targetable? Is talk radio such a wide swath? I mean, I don't think if talk radio is pretty, I mean, I think it's a pretty narrow swath, right? It's almost all talk radio you listen to are just, you know, Rush Limbaugh clones. But that's an oversimplification of things, right? So maybe that's a big one. Science being smallest is not at all surprising to me. What's surprising is it's there. I mean, programmatic ad spins in science communication? Wow. Seems weird, right? I mean, that just doesn't seem like a natural fit. Like, what are you advertising? Yeah, that's what I was just going to ask. What would that ad be? Yeah. Uh, how? We know it's <laughs> probably not super targeted. I mean, subscribe to Nat Geo. I, I don't know what, what, the, what the science spin is there solar. for. Could be, could be. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. So I'm, I'm surprised that it's, that it's even there. I think really where we get some real actionable advice here is this next slide with the, when are episodes listened to? I think we've talked about this in the past on this, on this podcast, but you know, it's nice to revisit this here where 33% of the episodes that are downloaded are listened to in the same day, according to Omni. And this is directly from their Triton Digital podcast metrics uh, that was taken March 2020 through January 2021. And I think that's an interesting number, Evo, because I think if you were to talk to most podcast hosts, they'd be like, well, everybody listens to the podcast on the day I release it. Yeah. (laughs) And clearly that's that's not happening. So it is nice to this breakdown. Uh, A couple of things about this graph infuriate me, but I'll leave my pedantry aside. One thing I will note, though, is I wonder if, in fact, these are really listened to numbers or are these just downloads? Because we oftentimes conflate those two words in the podcasting space. And it's not just us individuals. A lot of hosting companies, when they show the line, they'll say, hey, here's how many listeners you have. Like, you don't know whether or not someone listens. You do not, hosting company. You have no earthly idea. Now, Triton might because they've got some other ways that they're bringing that down into. But 50% are listening same day, next day type stuff, which which makes a lot of sense to me. And then there's also the much the much longer time frames that that roll out there. What's weird to me is true crime numbers that they list. Only 20% listen to true crime on the same day or download, whichever that is. That might tell me we're getting bored with true crime shows. I think there's so many, and I think they're all, I don't want to be too general. I, I think there are a lot, and I think the attention that people have that we're putting on true crime is kind of waning. Over time, I've heard some motions from that side of the industry that says they're focusing less on bloody murder stuff and more on just crime, crime. doesn't have to be a dead body involved because people are kind of tired of the death and stuff that's in the eyes. So I don't know. Maybe that's an indication. If if that's, you know, these downloads are happening, maybe they're happening or maybe listenings happen much, much later. Does that mean people are getting oversaturated? Hard to say. Do you look at this and do you have an opinion on like a promotion schedule for a podcast, if you're doing like a weekly podcast, maybe, I mean, you have to promote when it comes out, but maybe not so hard on the same day or day two or three, but maybe the end of the week, that's kind of where you promote a little bit more. Yeah, maybe. I think a lot of the reason why people who do promotion work around their episodes, the reason we do it on the same day is we're trying to chase Apple's uh, ranking algorithm because we know that Apple gives much, much weighted importance on same day 
downloads more than anything else. And that's what it's going to boost you. And then it goes down to second day and third day, and then it kind of drops off. So there's a there's a real reason to push to get your show ranked in the charts, if in fact that has any difference to it whatsoever. Well, you raise an interesting question about when is the right time to promote an episode. And it really goes back to when's the right time to release an episode. My clients and I had talked about this all the time. Like, yeah. They're asking me, what's the best day that I should publish an episode? I always tell them that doesn't exist. I don't think there's a best time to do it if you because everything else is just all too generalized. The right answer is in your industry, in the thing that you do, is there a best day and 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 today a best time because now we've most of the things are happening on a on a super time lock basis. Is that right for you? So that's question number one. And then question number two comes along with maybe it's not just the release. Maybe as you mentioned, John, maybe it is also when should we release it and then when should we promote it? Because maybe it does make sense to release it on a on a Monday, but wait until Friday when promotional stuff comes up. Again, it all depends on getting inside of somebody's head. When is a listener most likely to take some sort of action you want them to take some sort of an action? It's, it's the whole reason of why the tire advertisements are in the sports page on Sunday. The only reason of why the tire ads are in the sports section on Sunday is because that's where tire ads go. It was set decades ago that that's where they would be. And it doesn't quite make sense anymore, but you can't break away from that because that's where the tire ads go. That's where you know they're going to be there. (laughs) Stick them somewhere else. No one's going to see it. People actually (laughs) will buy the paper on Sunday only to look at tire ads. It's because of where they belong. So will we get that way in podcasting? I don't know. Well, at least we're not buying the the podcasts to start fires in our grills, which I saw was one of (laughs) I saw an article recently why people are still buying newspapers. Just wow. to start the fires in their grill. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I would have one before. One of my favorite opinions that you share was uh, how worthless downloads are. Yeah, <laughs> they really are. <laughs> With downloads being hard to track and those that are being really unsure of their authenticity, you really shouldn't use that metric to judge a show's success, really. Do you have examples of KPIs that are more important to track? You guys both remember when... FeedBurner was a thing, although FeedBurners could be, become a thing again, which is weird, regardless of that. To me, the killer app from FeedBurner, well, there were two. Uh, one, it would allow people to email, subscribe by email, which is nice, and it's and I use it, and I'm amazed at the number of email subscribers that I have for my show about podcasting. But anyhow, but the second cool thing with FeedBurner was subscription tracking. How many people are actually subscribed to this show? Follow, to use the terminology of, of now. Right. So that was the cool feature. And to me, that is an important metric. It's not the only important metric, but it, but it starts to get us there. So what I would really love to see all of our hosting companies give to us, it'd be great if we could get some more data out of the apps, but forget them for a moment. Let's just think about their hosting companies armed just simply with looking at data that they know user agent. What was the device that downloaded the episode or requested the episode? The IP address, where it came from and then also the type of information requested, they all have the ability to churn through that data and provide to us, every single one of us podcasters, through our dashboard, how big our audience is. They could tell us. And that would give you your unique downloads, right? Or not not downloads, but Not unique. a download, but yeah, you would, you would see several things. You would see, here's how many people I have, here's how many distinct, different devices, whatever, individuals, let's call them, that I've yeah. had listen to my show over the last nine years. My show's not been for nine years, making that up. But also it would say returning visitors, how many of them come back? You know, Chartable just released a new thing recently where they're showing that. It's kind of the stickiness of, of content if you have a Chartable subscription. 
they'll tell you that, you know, this, you know, how many people came back and listen, what's your, your basically it's, it's your active users, seven day, 14 day, 30 day active user list. That to me, it's compelling because I don't really care if you subscribe to my show. I don't really care if you listen to it on Spotify. I don't care if you click through and listen via the links that I share out on Twitter. All I care is that you listen or somehow consume it. So I think that's what all podcasters want to know. How big is my audience? That's the real number that I want to get to. How big is my audience? And the second part is, is it growing? That's it. As you were just talking about, Apple now is uh, now launching a subscription service, literally right. just announced uh, over the last couple of weeks here. What are your thoughts there? And, and will this lead to us getting more granular information about our audiences? I'll answer it backwards. And if, I hope so. I certainly hope we get more information uh, about our audiences. I also want to make sure that we don't get too much information because there are a lot of things we don't need to know. And Apple knows a lot about someone because it's all based on that Apple ID that is signed in. So they know what apps I'm downloading. They, they know a lot about me as a person. Now they're going to know, well, and they already know what podcasts I listen to. So yeah, there's a wealth of data in there that that marketers are going to want to really get their hands on. I don't think we need all of that data to get our hands on, but we'll see how app, Apple's pretty good out of all of them. They're fairly good when it comes to trying to protect that relationship. So I don't, I don't know that we're, we're too concerned with it. So, so yes, I think we'll get some more, some more data. And I think it's pretty encouraging what Apple just recently announced with these new premium style podcasts all integrated together. It's because it's been kind of a cluster to get it to work previously. I like the fact that now, right there as you're listening to a show, you can decide whether it's worthy of your support, whether additional content, if that's in fact what they're offering you, is, is worth it. You know, today, if you want to, if somebody wants to support my show, they have to, they can't. There's no way to push a button, you know, inside of the app and do something. It's off and off, you know, some little piece of friction that gets involved with it. So that's going to change. The big question is, what's everybody else going to do? What's Spotify going to do? We already heard their announcement not long ago saying, well, we're going to do it through, but you got to be an anchor hosted show. And like, yeah, I, I really don't see NPR switching to anchor so they can monetize the feeds. <laughs> not happening. But Amazon Music, yeah, Amazon making a huge play, really, really trying to push hard. I don't know why they're not pushing the Audible angle more than the Amazon Music angle, but fine. Are they going to also have the ability to do this? Remember, it wasn't that long ago when there, we had maybe two subscription streaming services, Netflix and terrible Hulu. And then <laughs> in like overnight, there were 90. So I kind of think we're going to get there as well. I, mean, it's just, I see we can look at that space as kind of a predictor of what's going to happen in podcasting, where each of these various apps will have an ability to premiumize, if you will, some content, which throws money back to the podcaster, which is good, but it's also going to take a heck of a lot more work to manage it. Because, you know, each one of those is going to have their own different way. It's, it's, it's a change. It's a change that we'll just have to adapt to. But we don't have to adapt to it. I mean, that's the great thing about this, too, is if you are just a podcaster who wants to put out your show every day, every week, and whatever else, and you don't care about this stuff, fine. No changes to you whatsoever. But for those who do want to find a way to bring in some additional cash, uh, it's nice to see that the apps are, at least one, is starting to make inroads to let us do that. So this is where the, what you guys both, have brought up the platform agnostic thing, right? Where there won't be one ring to rule them all, right? That yeah. that ring will be destroyed in this battle for dominance, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, what does that do for podcast discovery then? It just it just makes it harder on the podcaster, right? Yeah, it, it does. I mean, it just... Because then you have to go and do the discovery thing on 
all the platforms, right? You can't really just rely on just Apple to bring in all your download no. numbers and subscribers. You have to be aware of that and be able to do that on every platform, man. Yes. But here's the weird thing. You know, going back to thinking about streaming services, no one expects to be able to watch the same show across Netflix, Disney, and Hulu, and whatever. Right. But that's because we would never, even going way back to when I was a young person, we didn't expect the same show to be on ABS, CBC, and NBC. Mm. We knew they right. were all different. Podcasting's weird. You know, we've got these different directories and apps, and they all, most of the time, you know, largely speaking, have the exact same stuff. I just talked to a guy yesterday. I was in an Uber going to the, the meeting, and he stopped listening to Joe Rogan because he doesn't want to go to Spotify. So that that's weird to me. I mean, there, there are going to be a handful of people that are like that. But where I was going with it is I wonder if we will start seeing more, and I think we will start seeing more people, more podcasters, especially the serious business side of things, choosing one platform over others and saying, look, if you want to listen to my show, you have to come over here. I think we're going to see some more of that. Will it work? I've no earthly idea. You know, so far, probably not. But I think that these they're going to try and tie up enough of this IP, they being the, the podcast apps, will try and tie that, make it exclusive, offer better deals. And, and I think that's just going to be the way things happen, which does, that totally changes the name and, and changes the game of discovery because they don't care. Podcasters that are at that level where they're doing exclusives, they don't care about the, the exclusivity or the, the discovery problems that they're making for themselves because they're having cash instead of that. But for everybody else, for the, you know, the 50% for the, well, for the 99% of everybody else, then it's a little bit more of a challenge. Would you go exclusive to one platform? I, I can't see the rationale of doing that. So yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen with Discovery when this, when this thing really gets rolling. What do you think this does for all the subscription services that are out there? Places like Luminary. Yeah. I mean, Libsyn just purchased Glow uh, to do this specific item. So yeah. I wonder if they have any buyer's remorse today. Uh, yes, that is a very good question. <laughs> I, I would imagine they do. You know, I've already seen a blog post from, uh, from Simplecast. Simplecast? No, Supercast, excuse me. That was basically welcoming Apple to the party. What took you so long? And then extolling all of the benefits that they do differently. I think you're going to see some of them go away, especially if they didn't do anything special. But I do see you'll also probably Supercast. I don't, I don't have any skin in the game over there. I don't even have a show on Simplecast. I'm sorry. Yeah, Supercast. Damn, those two names are almost exactly the same. <laughs> but Supercast has the ability to do things more, to develop more of a direct connection with your individuals. Just like Substack, Ghost, which has switched my newsletter to Ghost recently. You know, I get a lot of information about that and I can send out more than just an episode. So I think those that can pivot to becoming really a true listener relationship management and LMS system, I don't, they might be able to survive. But if they're, if your only business model is making premium podcasts and that's it, you have to do something new now because Apple just took that away from you. I suppose the other thing too would be using one of these subscription services continues that platform agnosticity. Yes. So that you can still just promote to your owned, although it's still kind of rented place. Absolutely. I was chatting with someone earlier today who had the idea of what if, he said, I did the premium thing for my podcast on Apple and I charged like $30 for it, some stupidly high number, <laughs> some insanely high number that makes no sense whatsoever. 
And on that special plus feed, I added an episode that only went out there that said, hey, 30 bucks is stupid. Why don't you come pay me five bucks over here on my Supercast feed? Here's the URL. Because I'll get all of that money. I'm not paying 30%. It's a big cut, Apple. I'm not paying 30% to Apple. So come over here. Will we see something like that happen? Or hmm, perhaps, and will that cause Apple to say, much like Amazon, you cannot offer this service somewhere else for a lower price. And if we find out that you do, we will kick you off. That's what Amazon does. If you, you can list yep. your products there and sell them on your website, but if you sell your stuff cheap on your website, Amazon will kick you off. And that's a problem. So I don't know. It's, it's the Shopify versus Amazon and how does Supercast work with all this? I mean, here's the cool thing. Premium podcasting, really, truly subscribe for a fee, whatever we want to call it, has always existed kind of on the margins, and it just went mainstream, which is going to shake up everything, which is cool. I like it when things are shaking up. For weirdos <laughs> like me that like this, we're good. Everybody else is going, ah, now what? Yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. Where I think it'll get real interesting are the corporations, all the corporations that are getting involved in podcasting, and they know that they have to be in Apple, specifically radio stations. Having come from that world, I've spoken with plenty of executives that are like, what do you mean they just pay you $5 an episode? Uh, that doesn't even make sense to me. That does not compute. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to do with that information. It'll be an interesting change, I think, from a business perspective, too, for those corporations that, again, because they have the biggest megaphones, will have the biggest advantage to selling something like this. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And there, there's a lot of lack of understanding of why anybody would pay for something that that they don't have to pay for, but we, we see it happen time and time again. And yeah, big companies that are in the podcasting space that are just thinking about getting into the podcasting space, how will this impact them? I mean, most big companies aren't going to look at the revenue potential from podcasting as being anything serious. It's just not there. They've never been interested in running. A lot of these app companies don't even run ads because like, what's the point? I don't have ads on my website. Why would I have ads on my podcast? A lot of companies say makes perfect sense. but with the idea of these premium feeds, even if they're not charging a, a money to the people, because you, you could actually do that. You could do it up for free if you wanted to. You could set it up this way. Maybe there's additional information that they want to give out to people uh, that aren't publicly available. There's just so many cool things we can do with this. That we just have, Like I said, it's going to shake everything up. We will definitely have to refactor a, a lot of things. I plan on spending the next several weeks talking all of my clients off of the ledge uh, who are <laughs> going to try and do really silly things with it. Like, can I start charging for mine? Like, eh, no, you probably can't charge, charge, but maybe you can. We can, we'll have to have that conversation, but it's going to be a fun, fun ride for a while. Yeah. John stole my thunder because the quote that I've used multiple times from you, Evo, on this podcast is the, there will not be one that rules them all. We're, we're, they're all going to be equal and it's going to take understanding your audience and where your audience is and understanding how different that audience is going to be on each of those platforms to properly promote your show. And again, to me, it just leads back to promote them to your own place, what that you that you have, and let them make the decision on their own what place is best for them. So send them to your website. If they decide your website's the best place for them, great. Like you said before, I don't care how you get it. I only care that you get it and then you yeah. can listen to it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. We just want people to consume our content. And, and unless we're making crappy content, and then we don't need to make that content, but we need that information, right? All that helps us make better things that we want to make, that our audience wants to listen to, read, watch, whatever. 
that Venn diagram needs to overlap. I, I like I like it to be a nice big circle. If we can get it right to there, right? Exactly what they want, exactly what I want to make. Yeah, we'll get there. But you're right. This is not going to say, in anyone who's listening thinking, well, I'm just going to switch to Apple because that's where everything's at. Do not do that. <laughs> you're, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunity. So yeah, just just keep on keeping on. It'll be a little bit of extra work for all of us probably if we want to take advantage of these premium services, these true subscriptions. But I think in the end, it's going to be worth it for everybody. We just recently had Rob Greenley on the podcast and we covered some issues with the amount of categories available to podcasters and some recent issues in having to best categorize, for example, a law firm's podcast without mm. a legal category. I know you recently covered categories on your podcast and the restrictions of both current and what podcasting 2.0 has in mind. Yeah. Then you came out with a wonderful analogy of the battle with Yahoo and Google search engines and that it might be better to completely trash the concept of categories overall. Can you explain that or how that really affects the discoverability of podcasts? Sure. One way to think about it is like, look, when you go to a bookstore, back when, you know, we went to bookstores, back when we had bookstores, I guess, when you go to a bookstore, it is unusual to find a book listed or uh, shelved in more than one location. Occasionally, they have, you know, their bestseller section up front and, you know, buy this author and then have some specialty things done. But you can skip all of those, go back to the sci-fi section and go through and find, you know, whatever books you want in there. They're, they will they will all be there. All the ones that you're looking for will be in that. But And that's the only place, again, with the other exception, that the other ones will be. But in the digital world, we don't have single space issues, right? We can put things in lots of different places. And the problem is you will never find the limit of that. Where else could I put this? What else is it like? What, and so it just compounds the problem. So anytime you try to categorize digital content, by definition, you're limiting some other options. You're, 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 making, you're making assumptions and you're, and you're boiling it down to some. You know, Right now, we've got three possible categories of a total of, what are there, 79 Something like that. It's the number of Apple podcast categories. I think that's it, which is a really small number. You know, we were just talking about comedy a moment ago. That's one category. Dude, seriously, there could be hundreds of comedy breakdowns on this one. So it's, it's kind of tough. So I don't think you're ever going to get there. I don't think anybody's going to get there by saying what this slap more labels on this thing. Right. I think it's much. This is something that is designed better for robots to handle. This is where bits and bytes are better than brains. Let it analyze the content. Sure, we can give it some clues and we can give it some seeds to actually help it work, but analyze the content just like Google's doing right now. Analyze all of the contents out there and then make a determination, not about a category, because no one searches for, look, I'm I'm, I'm a website about sports. No one no one does that, right? <laughs> There's just something specific you're looking for. Just present the information back to somebody as they're searching. Google has done it the best through keywords right now, things we type in. I'm looking for something like this. I honestly think our smart speakers could really step up here. Yes. I don't need to tell my smart speaker what podcast I want to listen to. I want to tell my smart speaker, hey, I want some information about this thing and then have it retrieve results for me, much like Google does. Totally different situation. How do you read through 10 different things? And there's serious problems in there. I'm no AI you know, developer, so I, I can't help fix that problem. But I think that's going to be it. It's more of a call. I want this. And the system comes back and says, okay, we found you these things. That's going to work, I think, much better. So that tells me that SEO is really, really, really important for podcasts, or at least in the future, to to, to yeah. really get the best discoverability. Yeah. For people yeah. To find but, it. 
But SEO has always been important, you know, and I don't even like the word. I prefer SEF, search engine friendly, because when you're optimizing things, it's more like gaming the system. But yeah, just making sure that you're doing all of the right things so that your content can be indexed and therefore discovered probably makes a lot of sense. Listen, Evo, we can talk about the force, the podcast force for hours and hours and hours, but uh, definitely want to be cognizant of your time uh, and our listeners time, as you pointed out before. And as Pod Vader, I might say something nasty about the listeners. I will not. I will just ask uh, if people are interested more in in listening to your pontifications, uh, where can they find you? You can go to podcastpontifications.com. And I know that hard word to say and spell. I think I have 430, goodness, episodes. Because I do it, you know, as you know, I do it four days a week. Yeah, lots of lots of good content for you to chew through. I'm also on the Twitter if you want to reach out to me socially. I'm just Evo Terra over there. And uh, I'm on the other ones too, but honestly, I'm not on the other ones. It's really only one. So I know I owe you quite a few cups of coffee, but I'm sure we'll bump into each other at a conference and I'll buy you something a little stronger. Sounds awesome. I love it. <laughs> John Evo's great. We could literally talk to him for hours. Wow. He's got lots of good, useful information. Awesome opinions. Well, podcast pontifications, as he said, four days a week. So you can go check them out. And they're nice, tiny, bite-sized episodes. They are. Uh, So, yeah, real easy to consume. So if you're a super consumer, you can get all four of those in in a week, probably. Well, you could probably bang out all 450 episodes that he said he has (laughs) in, in, you know, about a month or so. Hmm. be no problem whatsoever <laughs> just take a month off oh wait we already did that <laughs> i'll try to fit that into my time schedule <laughs> john as as you fit things into your time schedule if people would like you to fit them into your time schedule how can they get in touch with you you can reach out to us on our website which is qdup.com qd-up.com through email which is info at qdup.com or through any of our social channels what about you jeff uh, you can reach me on Twitter at the real pod Vader. My DMs are open. Uh, and if you want to reach out to me on LinkedIn, that's probably another good way. I'm pod Vader over there as well. Pod Vader, very easy to find. So you can reach me on those platforms. All right. Well, John, it's been a pleasure talking with you, uh, this week and with Evo. And I think there's one more to come from me, but, um, I have nothing to say yet. But uh, I'll leave you with that mysterious tease, ladies and gentlemen. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, <laughs> for John on pod, there you have it.